Welcome to episode number 103, Social Media, The Need for Identity. I am your host, Damon Soka. Just a reminder that if you listen and enjoy these podcasts, please rate the podcast on your listening platform, and if you so choose, send a link on to someone else. Now again, I must apologize this week for the late nature of this podcast, and of course my own voice. This cold, flu, whatever it is, seems to have taken hold of me, just doesn't want to let go. So today I'm going to start in a place that might not be expected when you're wanting to discuss the effects of social media on mental illness. There is something important to understand about ourselves if you're going to truly understand how social media affects us. We are going to go to the scriptures first. We're going to take a look at the story referred to as the rich young ruler. Interestingly enough, this story was repeated in three of the Gospels. The story is contained in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Although for today, I'm going to be using the version told in Mark. Almost everyone is familiar with this story. A rich young ruler approaches the Savior, asking how he might obtain eternal life. With the Mark version, he kneels before the Savior. Now, the Savior initially refers the young man to the original Ten Commandments, and the young man can affirmatively state that he has kept all the commandments from his youth. The Savior then realizes what is truly needed. He identifies in this young man the subject of our discussion and one of the most powerful influences in our minds and bodies. He states to the young man to sell all that he has and to give it to the poor, and then he adds the phrase, take up thy cross and follow me. This is not a sermon about the riches being evil or that no one should have wealth. This is a sermon about identity. What the Savior What did the Savior see in this young man that was so powerful that he would turn away from the Savior and walk away sorrowing? Some call it the love of riches, status, the love of power that riches provide. The reality is that money was not the real issue. What was at stake for this young man was the loss of the identity that wealth provided him. Now, identity is a powerful force within our minds and bodies. We have a deep, conscious, and subconscious innate desire to have and maintain our identity. Now, identity in the world of psychology and sociology is a discipline in and of itself, and we really don't have time to fully explain the entire nature of identity in this podcast. So we are going to go with the following general definition from Wikipedia. Identity is the qualities, beliefs, personality, looks, and or expressions that make a person or a group. Now, identity is a very personal view of oneself that is developed as we interact with the world around us. We develop our sense of self early on in our life, and it becomes increasingly more important to us as we move into our teenage years and early adulthood. As far as the world is concerned, our identity is developed by experience and feedback we receive from the world around us. This feedback leads us to identify with particular individuals, groups, and or organizations. Now often, we take upon ourselves identities pre-established by particular groups and persons for whom we have affinity, and naturally we move towards people and groups who match our desires, thoughts, philosophies, and ideals. We also tend to drift towards groups that accept us and our chosen identities. Aside from the world, we as members of the church are very aware that identity is more than the human experience. We understand that we developed an identity long before this earth. That identity has a great influence on our identities in this world. Now, I personally believe 
and rationally it makes sense to believe that many of our preferences, talents, were likely part of our experience before this life. Individuals drawn to music, painting, science, spirituality, worldly aspirations, and really almost anything in this world and the spirit world is influenced and informed in part by our previous life. The type of people we find interesting and tend to follow also seems to be some of what we brought with us to this earth life. Personally, without this understanding of a previous developed life, what we find as far as how individuals choose their identity could appear very confusing. For instance, my children are all very different in many ways and have chosen very different identities at times. And considering that they have all grown up in very similar circumstances, the significant differences really do not make much sense unless, of course, you bring to the forefront the idea of a pre-mortality. Now, to truly understand identity, one must accept the truth that we lived before this life. Now, identity, like most things in life, is obtained over time by our experience. We identify ourselves as children of parents, students, members of one social group or another. We identify by gender, by race, by culture, by hair color, by eye color, and almost every outward expression of our life where a group or a person can compare. Unfortunately, much of our world, side identity, is accomplished by comparison and grouping into particular social identities. Now, some of these identities are given to us and others are assumed by choice. Now, for instance, the ideals of beauty often dictated to us within various cultures and in some ways really forced upon us, while other things like eye color, biological sex are not. Identities can change over time, but do not tend to change abruptly. The reality is, is how you see yourself in context to society and how pliable you are to the branding, codifying, and grouping determined by society is very important to your own personal identity. Now, as we go, grow older, and depending upon what we have chosen as our identities early in life, we tend to be less pliable to the whims of social change. However, early in our lives, especially during our teenage and early adult years, we tend to be very pliable, moldable, and open to change and new identities. Now, if I asked you identity, if I asked you how you identify, you might look at me a little funny because that's not how we ask it. If I asked you what you believe on a particular subject, such as politics, gender, religion, and so forth, you would reveal to me how you identify yourself in this world. What is important to understand is just how powerful identities can be in shaping our beliefs and our actions. Let's take, for instance, the scripture story I started with today. How did this young man identify himself? Given the limited scriptural information, there are at least two identities that were important to him. The first was his identity as a good member of the church truly identified as one who kept the commandments, did everything he knew to be obedient and true to the doctrine he understood. His second identity was his wealth and power, prestige and honor that came with it. Both identities lived within him, but what the Savior realized and demonstrated was true to every one of us. We have identities, but when they conflict, we also have prioritized our identities based on their importance to us. This message was very clear when the young man walked away sorrowing. The money was not the issue. His identity was. He would have to give up an identity that was one of the highest priorities to him, even, unfortunately, higher than his membership, meaning that when it came to losing his wealth identity or his membership identity, 
he actually preferred to lose the membership identity. Now we have no real, we have no exact reason or real reason as to why, and his reasons are likely very personal to him, as they are to us. But what he demonstrates is just how powerful identities can be in our lives and the priorities we set with them. Now, now that I've provided just kind of this basic understanding of identity, let's really move more into mental illness and our identities. As we see from this young man, our identities are a decision-making system. Many of our decisions are often made for us by the identities we choose, and perhaps those that kind of force-fit our, our, into our lives by the societies we live in. As discussed in previous podcasts, we tend to make decisions by the way we feel about ourselves, meaning we use how we feel and our identity to create action. For those of us who suffer with depression, anxiety, and bipolar, when our feelings shift due to illness, so do our actions and our perceptions of ourselves. For instance, where we once felt as though we perhaps enjoyed painting and considered one of our identities as an amateur painter, when the illness changes our feelings and desires concerning that identity, we no longer feel as though we want to paint. And this really can change our identity in that moment. Where we once enjoyed painting and the identity of being a painter, it no longer brings the same feedback and reinforcement. So while we knew that we once liked, felt like a painter, in a depressed or anxiety-laden moment, we no longer feel the same way. And so we no longer really feel fit feel or fit that identity. The same is true about a host of our identities uh, during mental illness, such as being a solid member of the church or a child of God. When we do not feel the identity, it can become as though we no longer identify with it. This change in feelings creates in us what might be termed an identity crisis, where we subconsciously ask ourselves if we no longer feel as though, we're, though being a solid member of the church is part of our identity, and then who are we? Far too often in our depressions, in our anxiety, and strangely in our mania, we are asking ourselves who we are. What do we believe? How do I move forward? We say things like, this doesn't feel like me. I don't feel like a musician, a painter, or even a good member. What do we do when all of this comes upon us? Now the first thing that generally happens is that disconnected feeling, where we feel almost like an entirely different person. We don't like the same things, don't feel the same way, even about those things we used to love and those whom we do love. And we don't want to do things we once did. So to combat all these strange feelings, we begin creating an alternate identity. And because our feelings are the barometer to the identity, that new identity does not look much like our previous one. My wife has frequently said about me that she was married to three different husbands, and in some senses that was true. My identity, when I was anxious and deeply depressed, was far different than the normal me and the mania me. Now I don't think that this is a revelation to most of us who suffer. For me, what was important is that during my depression, anxiety, and during my mania, I tended to be more open to changing my identity as my feelings pressed for more understanding as to why I felt the way I did, meaning that for me, I was far more pliable to outside influences when I was in my episodes. And so this is where social media tends to come into the picture. Social media is in and of itself basically an identity platform. We create an identity for the viewing world. 
Now, for most of us, this is a subconscious action, meaning we don't say, I think that my identity needs a refresher, or I'm going to create my identity today. Now, understanding this principle is incredibly important about the platform. When we create this identity on the platform, we are looking for feedback from the community of friends and others about this identity. If I am comfortable in my skin, as the saying goes, I generally probably don't worry too much about those who don't understand, don't want to understand, or anyone who views my identity as needing some serious refinement. However, if I am establishing my identity, such as those who are young, or if I'm in a place where I'm struggling with my identity, such as in the case of mental illness, social media and its pressures can slowly walk me away to new identities that might feel right at first, but have terrible consequences. When you are depressed and looking for reassurance of your identities because the illness has taken that assurance away, social media is probably not the best place to be looking for content and ideas. Now, I know that we don't go on social media and say, I need help with my identity. But what you do find is other individuals who have similar problems stating that a particular identity will help you find yourself. Some of those identities might be helpful. Most will not. In my experience, most identities you find on a social media platform when you are depressed and in crisis mode are worldly-centered temporary fixes that in the end will not provide the value that you need. Many of them lack the depth and spirituality needed to maintain a healthy perception. Now, I realize that depression and anxiety are not likely to produce a positive view of oneself and one's identity. That's just the ugly part of the illness. Even more concerning is that the spiritual identity of a covenant-keeping child of God, worthy to enter his kingdom, tends to get lost in a muddled world of self-defeating voices. I also recognize that the temporary fixes provided by the world are very alluring when you have lost the feeling of who you are. When I think of the people in Lehigh Stream who are lost in strange roads, I often think about the many people I know who are mentally ill. When you lose a sense of who you are, then lost roads seem to be your identity. I also find it important about Lehigh's dream was that the great and spacious social media building pointing fingers and saying that your identity as a fruit eater just doesn't make any sense. I know that the struggle is real when we don't have good management of our illness, and even sometimes when we do. I have personally struggled with my own identity on a regular basis because of my illness, and of course, the past illnesses, and I still at times struggle to right myself when a more mild anxiety or depression has come to call. Today, more than ever, I wish I had an easy button so I could tell you here are the steps to keep yourself in the right frame of mind, to keep your identity true. Even when the self-defeating voices start to increase in volume, the truth of the matter is that the best we can do is to manage illness and stay close to the Lord. And, and, this is important, we can also ask the Lord to help us see our true identity from his perspective. When I have personally done this, my eyes have been opened to a whole new idea of identity and how the Lord perceives me, individually and within the membership of the church. Now, I am not saying that the first time I asked the Lord to show me my identity, the entire revelation came into my mind and I was transformed into a new person. I found that it takes some time for the Lord to truly show us and help us to know who we are and how he views our value and our identity. It takes some prolonged engagement with the Lord. Yes, he will show you who you are as a child of God, but there is so much more that he has to offer. 
not only can he show you that true identity of a child of God, but he can remove so much that is false within our own perceptions. He also understands our illness with a perfectness that simply cannot be attained on earth. And he knows how to succor us and to lead us along until we can stand on our own with full understanding of who we are and who we can become with his help. I today, more than ever, wish that I could reach through cyberspace and time and show you who you really are in the Lord's eyes. What great things he sees in you, even when you can't see anything good in your life. Your value is immense in the grand scheme of exaltation and salvation. And your value as his child is so great that he brings to bear all the power of the universe to help you through the, universe, through the atonement of the Savior. Now, I know that it is difficult to see through the veil and the dark covering of worldly identities. But when you think that you can become a creator with him, bringing forth unique spiritual identities, when you think of yourself as a mother or father surrounded by the unique spirits you have brought into existence, your whole world can be transformed. May you reach out to the Lord and ask him to see your value even when the voice of depression and anxiety are suffocating you. And I can promise you that he will respond. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.